may be seated. And I was praying for individuals a while ago, and I looked up and saw Sister Marcia Shirley Hallelujah. there. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Good to have her back from knee surgery, and we've missed her in our early morning prayer. And it was good to see her. Good to have all of you, all of our guests, all of our visitors, as already been mentioned. And I know uh, there are several that are over getting games ready and things, food. And uh, I, I am not going to preach a long time, uh, but I do want to uh, acknowledge again, as we all have, one one day a year. Uh, the birth of our nation and the documents and uh, what has happened and to recognize <clears throat> the freedoms that, that we have. And of course, I know, you know, we're growing apostolic legacy and we are here to say happy 4th of July and uh, had fireworks and I uh, haven't even, uh, they gave me the money, I put it in an envelope, I haven't even opened the envelope yet uh, for building fund, but Cole <laughs> made an amazing uh, uh, replica of, uh, yeah, he gave him a hand if you saw it, of, of the church, and it's uh, just a um, uh, great, uh, it was a, a great um, design and build and uh, very talented, very, very talented visually, spatially, and all of those wonderful things. But the Declaration of Independence is um, our document that we celebrate on the 4th of July because it was signed July 4th, the year 1776. And it starts with these words, and probably many of you could almost quote some of it, but it's a unanimous declaration of the 13 United States of America. We know now there are 50, but these states got together and made a unanimous declaration. And that was tough. Uh, it's tough to get 13 family members to agree much less from different states, different religious backgrounds, different ideologies, different focus. I mean, some of them were from the, you know, the Carolinas and rural parts of America, you would think Virginia, and some were from the Pennsylvania, and some were from up in, you know, Massachusetts, and uh, they were smaller farms and all, and they got together and they came up with this declaration. And basically, it was declaring their independence from Great Britain. It says, when in the course of human events, it becomes necessary for one people, everybody say one people, to dissolve the political bands which have connected them with another and to assume among the powers of the earth the separate and equal station to which the laws of nature and of the nature's God entitled them, a decent respect 
to the opinions of mankind requires that they should declare the causes which impel them to the separation. We hold these truths self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed with their, by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, the pursuit of happiness, that to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, and they go on. Whenever any form of government becomes destructive of these ends, it is the right of the people to alter or to abolish it and to institute new government, laying its foundation on such principles and organizing its powers in such form as to them shall seem most likely to affect their safety and their happiness. Some amazing words that unfortunately the recent polls say that the majority of both the Democrats and Republicans are not pleased and proud to be American. They both point to Supreme Court decisions, to violence, to inflation, to... So we have, believe it or not, more than 50% of people in America, if you were to say, I'm proud to be an American, would check not so much. I disagree with this. I disagree with that. I don't like this decision. I don't like that decision. And yet, unfortunately, one of the words in that was happiness. And people think that in order for me to be happy, I get to choose how I want to be happy. And it doesn't make me happy that that there's been this ruling. It does, this doesn't make me happy. This doesn't make me happy. This doesn't make me happy. And they go through the list, and so the government is to blame, supposedly. And um, then, of course, that was what the whole Declaration of Independence was about. Now, you say, that's gloomy. And, of course, my wife mentioned that the Lord gave us a Declaration of Independence. In fact, Jesus himself in John, he said some very powerful words when he said, whosoever commits sin is the servant of sin. So I don't care who you are, where you're listening to this, but if you are living a life of sin, you are a servant to sin. You may say it could be not necessarily a bad sin, a big sin, a little sin. Well, I just get on the internet and spend five hours a night on that. I serve it. Oh, well, I just, you know, I hunt, I fish, I work in my garden. You can serve that rather than God. It can become a God to you. And so even more intensely, when you think of sin itself, when you are doing something 
inappropriate, go doing wrong, I'm gonna party, I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna, before long, I serve that. I don't care, you can say, well, that doesn't apply to me. I think that word whosoever applies to me and applies to you. And so you've got to recognize I'm inclined to be a slave to something. And so he goes on, instead of just leaving us depressed, he said, and the servant abideth not in the house forever, but the son abideth ever. If the son therefore shall make you free, you shall be free Indeed. Amen. Now what does that mean? Indeed. Indeed means there is a declaration of independence. Unfortunately, this document that was originally signed in July the 4th, 1776, still there were slaves that were not considered free. There were still individuals that were not considered free. I, I read a story about a, a lady who, who was uh, just died recently in New York in a, in a, a Manhattan penthouse and owned a house el elsewhere and she had fought for freedom for Jewish people after World War II because they were discriminated against. And so there are a lot of individuals that have been discriminated against and not free from African Americans to you name it, from other religious groups that traveled across America to look for freedom, even though there was a declaration. There was still the working toward getting it. And even though the Lord has declared us to be free, sometimes we have to work toward maintaining that freedom. Now you say, what do you mean work? Well, I, I've, got to, I've got to pick up the word. I've got to read it. I've got to get into the presence of the Lord. I've got to worship. I've got to pray. I've got to come to the house of the Lord. I've got to, I've got to exercise my freedom. Or it is not, you know, it's just indeed. Jesus, uh, and I, I thought of, of this, and Jesus was compared to a lot of different individuals. In fact, uh, in Matthew, it says, when Jesus came up the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, say, whom do men, the son of, who do men say that I, the son of man, am? And they, some said, thou art John the Baptist. Now, why? Would they have called him John the Baptist? Because John was preaching repentance. John uh, was living a life of uh, poverty, a life of, of uh, you know, out in the wilderness. And he was uh, selfless, uh, alone, isolated. And then some said, Elijah. Why Elijah? Elijah was a miracle worker. Elijah was able to, you know, get the dead raised and do all, pull fire down and make iron float and all kinds of miracles make the rain stop and then some said he was Jeremiah now why Jeremiah and I begin to think I, I don't know why they would have called him Jeremiah Jeremiah was a weeping prophet Jeremiah lived and prophesied at a time right before the 
collapse of Jerusalem. Jeremiah prophesied doom and Jesus was not going around preaching a lot of doom and gloom. And, and then it says in other of the prophets. And so I, I began to ponder that. I, I, I started studying Jeremiah just to kind of figure out what, what was it so much. And there's actually a lot of reasons they might have thought of him as Jeremiah. Of course, the disciples said, well, he asked them, he said, well, whom do you say that I am? And that's when Simon Peter said, thou art the Christ, or the Messiah, the son of the living God. And he goes on to say, flesh and blood didn't reveal it to you, but my father, which is in heaven. But, but why Jeremiah? What was it about Jeremiah that made disciples think? And, and, and immediately just looking at the first chapter of Jeremiah, you understand that Jeremiah understood his destiny. Jeremiah knew who he was, knew what his calling was, knew what he had been asked to do. He had a certainty about him. And maybe that was what made individuals recognize because Jesus, even at a young age, whenever they said, you're 14, 12, whatever it was, you're in the temple. You remember? And his parents came back and said, what'd you do to us? You scared us half to death. We thought you had been kidnapped by the Palestinian terrorists. No, they didn't even have those. They thought, Something's happened to you. And, and, and he said, didn't you know I must be about my what? You know it. So from 12, he knew he had a destiny. Jeremiah, first chapter, he opens up his book talking about this. Jeremiah, first chapter. First verse, the words of Jeremiah, the son of Hilkiah, of the priests which were in Anathoth, in the land of Benjamin, to whom the word of the Lord came in the days of Josiah, the son of Ammon, king of Judah, in the thirteenth year of his reign. Very specific person very specific time, very specific about where he was born, specific about who was reigning, what year it was. It came also in the days of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, the king of Judah, unto the end of the 11th year of Zedekiah, the son of Joash, king of Judah, unto the carrying away of Jerusalem captive in the fifth month. Now, verse 4. Then the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew you. And before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified you. And I ordained you a prophet unto the nations. Jeremiah knew it was not happenstance, just luck that I got here. Amen. It wasn't just the roll of the dice. It wasn't just it fell my lot. He realized 
the Lord knew very specifically what his name was. He knew where he was. He knew him up close, personal, intimate. He knew when you name somebody, you know, <coughs> Halls are fixing to have a little boy, and I, I don't know what they're going to call him. Carter Jr. I, I don't but they're going to go through a list and that baby is going to be named and you're it's a hopeful name because at that point you're hoping they grow into that name you're believing that that name is going to fit them you know if you name him Charles Atlas, Charles Atlas Hall. Well, Charles Atlas means something. This boy better be a bodybuilder. Right? Yeah, Hercules. My, my, my son's name is Hercules, and he's, you know, 20 years old, weighs 89 pounds. be a sad thing. Man, you messed up on that name. I mean, you know, whatever. Name them winner. They hate winner. <laughs> hate their name. <laughs> whatever you, but it's a hopeful, it's personal, it's intimate. David said, he has set his love on me, therefore I will deliver him, I will set him on high because he hath known my name. I'm glad the Lord knows who we are. We know who he is. And it's intimate and personal. In fact, he knows our name. He knows how many hair we have. And so... I, when you see the movements that are sweeping across the world of I, I'm not I, I don't like who I am I don't like where I came from I don't like you're ultimately challenging God because it was God who formed me in the belly of the womb you say well I wish I would have been fill in the blank taller shorter stronger black white Yellow, I wish I would have been. Guess what? Jeremiah said, the Lord knew me when I was being knit together in my mother's womb. So don't ever, don't ever allow the enemy to poison your mind and your emotions into saying, I don't think I was right. I was a mistake. I was an accident. I was something that wasn't wanted. I don't care what your parents might have said or told you or the lie they fed you. The Lord knew exactly where you were, where you came from, and he knows what your destiny can be. And that was the whole point. Of course, Moses, he said, hey, you know, take off your shoes. He talked to him. He knew him by name. Jacob, he knew him by name. Saul, I mean, the, the voice from heaven said, Saul, Saul. Well, who are, I wonder who he's talking about. I wonder who, he, I wonder. Who, it was no question. He knocked him off his horse and said, you, buddy. 
You know, this is why we talk about getting into a, a personal relationship with Almighty God is a very intimate, personal experience. I put up here a, a little picture. Can you all see that? It's a couple. And there's a waiter beside them. And unfortunately, most of the world treats God like the waiter. They have their intimate conversation with somebody else. I am, I've eaten out with my wife or family. The waiter comes up. What happens to our conversation? Anybody need anything? Anybody want anything? Some more water? I don't keep talking. My intimate stuff. Huh? In front of the waiter. The waiter's there to give me something. To go fetch me something. My steak is too done. My broccoli is too crispy. My french fries are too soggy. I need another Diet Coke. What are you doing tomorrow? What's going on in your life? How are you feeling? I don't ask that to the waiter. Huh? I don't say, well, how? And unfortunately, we treat God as if he doesn't know my name and he's not intimate with me. And I just treat him as, Lord, oh, now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord, oh, hurry up. Lord, bless this food in Jesus' name, amen. Give me a steak tomorrow instead of a hot dog. <laughs> Bring me something. Do something for me. Oh, I got to hurry up. Okay, I got to go. I'll, I'll put in my hour at church in Jesus' name. That's good for the, huh? The Lord says, I know you by name. I know where you live. I know where your family is. I want to be in your business 24-7. I want to know everything about I will never leave you nor forsake you. I will walk with you through the valley of the shadow of death. But don't treat me like a waiter just to bring you something. I want you to have intimate conversation and talks with me. That's what it means to be free. I am free to all of a sudden talk to him one-on-one. -on -one. He knows my name. He knows where I am. He, and that's why I preached last week on delighting in the Lord. You see, because before you ever knew God, God knew you. Right. <laughs> he knew your parents. He knew, he knows your image. He knows your personality. He knew your destination. Jeremiah recognized that God was the center of his life. God was the one that formed him. God was the one that he should be serving. Rather than it being ego-centered or my life. 
This is my life, my happiness, my choice, my desire, my... Huh? You will never be free trying to satisfy and please yourself. Let me say that again. You will never be free trying to please yourself. The only time you'll experience true freedom I want to please you, Lord. What can I do to please you? Oh, I know. You can say, well, I, I'm not pleased with the direction of our country. Guess what? It's ours, folks. I know we sang it today. I'm proud to be an American. But let me tell you something. We ought to be singing, I'm proud to be a believer. I'm proud to know who the one true God is. I want to somehow serve him. Jeremiah's life didn't start with Jeremiah. He realized God formed me. God put me in this family. God gave me the parents that I had. Oh God, you know, I could have been born to whomever. You say, oh no, there was no, let me tell you something, with all the chances there were within one union of one sperm and one egg, I am a miracle. And if it were not for God, I wouldn't be here. Sure, we honor mothers and fathers, but I can tell you that I understand God is the giver of life. You know, sometimes people think, well, I became a child of God when I decided to serve him. Actually, everyone is a child of God. Some of them just Walk away and don't get it. You were formed in his image and in his likeness. Before I knew my name, God knew my name. Wow. He, you know, as a matter of fact, we, we hear the verse, many are called but few are chosen. Why? Because it's not because, you know, they have a, an advertisement on the radio, a station I listen to, and it says, it's as, you know, uh, it's a sure thing. It's like picking Charles Barkley for a pickup game. You know, he's gonna be the first one chosen when all the fourth graders get together to play basketball. If Charles Barkley's there, everybody picks him. I don't know if you've heard that ad. He says, pass me the ball, kids. Of course, he's, maybe seven foot tall. What kind of game would that be? All the fourth graders playing basketball and Charles Barkley's on the team. The fact is, many are called, but few are chosen. And it's not that God doesn't choose them, it's that they won't answer the call of God. They would rather have God as a waiter for Sunday morning than to be intimate with God and experience the freedom that God can bring. I'd rather just have him serve me. Then not only did he say, Jeremiah, I, I called you, I formed you, but then he said, I gave you away as a prophet to the nations. I gave you away. You really are fighting what I've tried to do for use you. 
Can you imagine that? He said, I gave you as a prophet to the nations. You didn't even get to choose that. And the reason some people never experience happiness is because they fight the destiny God has for them. He wants you to be set free. He wants you to be a servant. He wants you to serve him, to worship him. Called us out of darkness into this marvelous light that we should praise him, that we should, and I'm going to fight that destiny. And we've all seen people fight, resist the destiny. I preached a few weeks ago about the eagle, you know, because America, eagle, and we were, my dad and I, uh, traveling up in the boundary waters of Minnesota and saw eagles' nests, and we watched one day, we were there as this adult, male and female, kept flying into their nest and busting it up, breaking it up. Bam, they would hit it. Bam, they would break it up. Why? There were little eaglets in that nest. And it was time for them to fly. Mom and dad were frustrated. I don't know if they were tired of bringing them fish. I don't know. The saying around my house is, I'm breaking the plate. I'm still trying to figure out how to do that. <laughs> I broke the plate on one and I got three kids. No, I was calling David one of the kids. But <laughs> broke the plate and here they are. No. But eagles have feet, folks. They can walk anywhere they want to go. Eagles also have talons. You know what talons do? They grip. They can grip hold of a branch. Hang on. But they weren't meant to walk and they weren't always meant to grip the branch. As a matter of fact, we watched as one eagle hit the nest and one little eaglet was hanging on with one foot. <laughs> Finally it let go and started falling and that mother eagle had been circling. She swooped down underneath it, let it fall on her back, flew around, brought it back to the remains of the nest then started the process over again. Why? Because you've got to fly. You've got to fly. You've got to fly. What are you saying? The Lord knows our destiny better than we know it. And if somehow we would allow him to lead us and guide us, it's like, I'm not, I'm not going, I, I, I can't, I can't, I can't do that. I can't invite, I can't be in church. I can't, oh, you will never know what it is. You will never know what God has designed for your life, for your future, for your destiny until you're willing to get intimate with him and recognize I need your input, Lord. I need your leading and I I need your guidance. I can't do it on my own. It's not what I was designed for. I was called out of darkness to be a worshiper, to be a praiser.
loser to do something for God in this hour. No, I was called out. I, I was born so I could be a painter or a butcher or a baker. The Lord called us to be his servant. That's why Jeremiah, he goes on and he tells him, Thus said I, O Lord God, behold, I can't speak. So now Jeremiah does what we all do, starts making excuses. I am a child. And the Lord said unto me, Say not, I am a child, for thou shalt go to all that I shall send thee, and whatsoever I command thee, thou shalt speak. Be not afraid of their faces. I am to thee to deliver thee. The Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth and said, Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. I want to tell you, the reason why some folks can't find their destiny is they don't let the Lord touch them. He wants to get into how you're talking. He wants to touch your mind. He wants to touch your mouth. You say, oh, pastor, I, 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 I just want a, wait, I, I want a waiter to bring me stuff. I just want a God that'll give me stuff. God doesn't want to be just the guy that gets you stuff. He has declared you free. He goes on down. He gives him visions in this first chapter and of an almond tree and of a pot of boiling water. And I may preach on that sometime. But he wraps up Jeremiah, the first chapter, the last two verses of that first chapter. He says, For behold, I have made thee this day a defensed city, an iron pillar, Brass walls against the whole land, against the kings of Judah, against the princes thereof, against the priests thereof, and against the people of the land. He's, he's telling Jeremiah that I'm going to overrun this whole land. But he said, you personally are not going to be impacted. Amen. You're going to be an iron defensed, brass walled city. Because I have chosen you and you're following your destiny. You want to have power in this hour? You say, Lord, he said they'll fight against you, but they won't prevail. Why? For two reasons. I am with you to deliver you. I want to tell you something. We are blessed today, yes, to live in America, but we are blessed to have the Lord set us free. And you can either choose to live in that freedom, to walk in it, or you can say, I don't know, I kind of like to do this, and I kind of like to do that, and I just want God to get me out of my jams. This time next week, you're going to be married. I don't want to have David call me and tell me you were talking to the waiter. Asking the waiter how he's doing more than your husband. Why? Because I'm supposed to have that kind of connection with just one person. You say, but I don't know who I am. 
start getting intimate with him, he'll show you. He'll talk to you. He'll make you a defense city. He'll make you a strong wall. He'll make, he will use you. He will make you exactly what you need to be. But you've got to be willing.